Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the new film from Ari Aster, which is Midsummer. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hello there again, friends, and welcome in to episode 197 of Film Tank. As per usual, I am Alex Diekman, along with the usual co-host, Nick Cheney. Well, let's address that. Um, Usually I am that person. Yeah, can we name an episode in which you were not Alex Diekman? Ooh, it's a fun, like, upside-down episode. I bet if we check the IMDb trivia page, we could figure it out. Figure out what? If there was an episode in which you were not Alex Diekman. Oh, okay. Do we have an IMDb page? We do now. Really? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for confirming that. You're welcome. Also along with us on this wonderful ride we're about to partake in is, is Jesus just... Christ. Thank you. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. He also doesn't have an IMDb page. That's not true. He does? No. I'm <laughs> <laughs> fucking with you. Tucson, he can... School! Okay. Very good. Very good. Nice Viking reference. Okay, That's Jesus good... just left. <laughs> Was he ever here to begin with? Wow, oh, way to attack my religion. Which one is that? That wait a minute is confidential. Who's that? Jesus. Who's that at the door? We said Alex. Door. Who is it? He's, 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 Why would you ask Alex? Alex is closest to the door. See if there's a carpenter coming around the corner. Oh, it's not. It's our friend Sam Shamara. Not that Jesus isn't our friend, but Sam for sure is. Welcome I hope I am. back. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, oh boy. So we we usually get off to raging starts here on this podcast, as I'm Always. sure you figured out by this point. Yeah. So just another one, just on the notch. Just another pin, on the, pin on the board. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think we should get right to it because I think. Everyone's got quite a bit to say about the new film from Ari Aster, which is Midsummer. Uh, we talked last year about his film uh, that came out around this time. It really is actually quite incredible that this film, uh, Midsummer, got made and released as quickly as it did, uh, since it didn't get greenlit until after Hereditary came out. So that means that it had to get into production. It had to have all of its principal photography mm -hmm. it had to have all of its editing it had to have its promotional schedule and then get released in under a calendar year which is pretty incredible yeah, yeah. so especially for something that while not a blockbuster is not a like one room uh talkie picture where you could very easily see like uh like when joss whedon wanted to take a break from the avengers and he called his friends and made that adaptation of much ado about nothing mm -hmm. yeah on when to go see that yeah we did but, you know, this film, 
kind of to your point, Nick, like there's quite a bit of editing that happens here for sure. Um, and definitely a lot of music cues, a lot of... A lot of different scenes have to take place at different times of a day, not yeah. just like day, night, like actually, because there's, they don't spend that many days there, so you, it's a real, uh, real-time experience as far as uh, the sun has to kind of be setting mm-hmm. at certain points and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah they, they did a lot in a little amount of time for Hollywood. Yeah. And we will get to everyone's opinion, but for the most part, ended up with a pretty good product. Yeah. So even though I was not a fan of his film from last year, um, that doesn't mean that I did not like this one. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Little tease there. Oh, maybe oh, maybe oh, not. Oh, maybe, maybe I didn't like it. Hmm. I liked oh, it. Oh boy, that's okay. Yeah. So Midsummer is written and directed by Ari Aster uh, and <laughs> stars Florence Puy and also Jack Rayner. Uh, there are some other people who show up here, including Will Poulter who most people probably remember from either the Maze Runner or were the Millers. Um, but he's kind of got that hateable face going on yes. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and no then there's thanks. some other people here that people may have seen, but for the most part. Um, Cheaty from The Good Place, yeah, William, William Jackson William. Harper. Yeah, he's great. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Good Thank place you for proving me show. wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Playing the same character from The Good Place. It's very <laughs> pretty, weird. Pretty much, yeah. I'm being, uh, you know, exa- only half, I'm exaggerating. You're only being half facetious, really. But I agree literally in The Good Place, for anyone who hasn't seen it, uh, he plays an academic who is uh, always trying to figure out what's morally right or wrong and mm-hmm. overanalyzes and overthinks everything. So yeah. here it's just a dialed back, chilled version of that. Would you say that The Good Place is uh, film tank recommended? I would say sure. I would recommend it as well. Okay. <laughs> um, watch the Good Place. I've never seen it. So. It's you same. should watch the book, Good Place. Both of you I should watch the Good it. Place. I, yeah. I can see that from what you were saying. I have thoughts about the Good Place that is not for this podcast. Um, oh. Just because, well, I'm actually this wildly off topic. Right. Oh, okay. Um, which is that I think it's fine. Okay. And I admire what it's doing. Okay. But the idea that it's a laugh riot is a little. Why are you dead inside? Anyway. Um. So before we get into uh, more about the film, Florence Puy, as I mentioned, is the main character. Uh, I saw her for the first time a couple years ago when Nick went out of his way to show me the film Lady Macbeth, which is fantastic for anyone out there who wants to see good movies. Mm -hmm. And it's mostly fantastic because she is great in it. I mean, the film's good too, but she's great in it. And she also is going to be in the Black Widow movie coming out, right. playing opposite really? Scarlett Johansson, yeah. right. and playing, I guess, kind of like her playing a tree sort of sister. Well, only had to wait until the character was dead to finally give her a movie, huh? Oh, yo, it's true. You're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. Marvel's uh, Marvel apparently has noticed that people want to see like not white males. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. all of a sudden they're like, look, we've got LGBT and we have women and yeah. we have we have other races. What? What? The idea that Marvel is doing anything other than hanging on for dear life and not going in that direction is laughable to me, which yeah. is that okay. I'm not saying that they're not coming out with certain mm-hmm. properties that are checking off certain boxes yeah. and I'm definitely not saying that they shouldn't be moving in that mm-hmm. direction right. but they're only doing if it they because they were interested of, yeah. or even 
whatever, they it wouldn't look at the way that they're doing it. It so. wouldn't have taken like twenty three films to get to this point where they're finally like uh, courting those sort they're of ideas. Only doing you know it I mean? because of the landscape, right? And the commentary. And even the landscape started years before they started doing it. Right. So they're, they're just they're just moving at a glacial pace. I guess I'm not trying to say. I just hear nails okay. on the ground okay. as the general population is dragging. Marble's body out of the room it so badly wants to be locked in and it's not quite out there yet but there is blood on the floor and we'll see who wins alright I don't know how, like how uh, Disney Disney's gonna fucking win I can't I can't really no matter, no matter that, what happens but uh Alex you were about to tell us about Midsommar I was yeah. so according to IMDB Midsommar uh, revolves around a couple that travels to Sweden to visit a rural hometown fabled Midsummer Festival. A couple of what? <laughs> what begins as an idyllic retreat mm-hmm. quickly devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. Oh boy. Spooky. Yeah. That wasn't too bad. That no. wasn't too bad. That's right. Yeah, I would have taken out increasingly. I agree. Like yeah. It feels like a, a non... Like it, it, it's an unnecessary modifier. Because, like, you could just... <laughs> it, I mean, what else do you anticipate the film to do? To do. It's like, it's a decreasingly just, bizarre and violent film. Right. I'm just it like, goes well... goes back to the yeah. norm? What is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this so. is what happens when we have copy editors on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Now, hold on. <laughs> no, wait a minute. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> So I think I'll start us off, actually, if that's okay, mm-hmm. because I was absolutely dreading going to see this oh, movie. Oh, I know. You expressed that. I yeah. expressed it many times over, oh, yeah. and you just caught a bit of that. But um, for the most part, since probably like January, when all of the details about this film came out and we got an initial trailer... Uh, Nick and Tucson were both very interested in seeing it mm-hmm. and proclaiming, uh, at least Nick was, that we were going to do an episode on oh, this. Oh, absolutely. To, to the dis- dismay of me. Is that yeah, I mean, terrible? <laughs> I was going to say, that was more why I wanted to do an episode on it <laughs> than even, because I was going to go see it no matter what. Yeah, right. But um, I was not a fan of Hereditary. Yeah. I mostly... Did not care at all for the last 30 minutes or so of it. Yeah. And I just was not a fan, even though there were parts of it that I liked. So I was going to this and saw that it was two hours and 20 minutes, and I was just going to be miserable. So that being said, we went to the theater. Uh, We went, the four of us and Anna, who's been on many episodes before, we all got together and had a friendly evening and Mm -hmm. went to the theater. And I was pleasantly surprised by this film. Uh, and it doesn't mean it's like this amazing... Cinematic masterpiece. Oh, no, I was going to say, it's not... <laughs> um, the... We call them cinematic masterpieces. <laughs> wow. Damn. How dare you? I would say you're going for, like, the lowest of the low, but that's the huge, so it's all good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, this is not a, a film that's going to be like, hey, this makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. No. No? Uh, <laughs> This is a pretty funny, dark comedy uh, that has some really awful moments. Uh, in term- When I say awful, I mean that they are gut-wrenching and excru- excruciating, and at least made me uncomfortable in the theater. 
And it also has a um, a very interesting rise towards the end of the film for our protagonist that we have throughout the uh, the entirety of the picture. And uh, I would say thought-provoking is the other term I would use for this film that, that I thought, when I think of this, that is something that I think of, the, that this is a film that makes you think about shit, no matter what that is. I mean, this is a movie that in its first 10 minutes has Florence Pugh's sister commit suicide and take her parents along for the ride. Yeah, murder-suicide. And by, like, going deep, like, yeah. shutting yeah. off the doors, putting towels in every crevice throughout the entire house. Oh, yeah. And just because she wants, the sister wants to have the worst end of it, she has a hose going directly from one of the exhaust pipes directly into her mouth. Right. Um, Can so I just really quickly applaud <laughs> the... I'm just saying. Yeah. But the ingenuity of her contraption, I mean, that's some mousetrap level shit. I was going to say mousetrap too. However, the actual physics of it is what got me. All right, where's her microphone? <laughs> <laughs> no, so weirdly enough, um, and I... So my dad and I are one of there. We are those people that like when we saw. Where is this going? Hold on. When we we saw, actually did this exercise yeah. just to make sure. So when we saw the movie Mythbusters, <laughs> Midsummer Edition. Don't tell mom; she'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus! Wow. He's back. <laughs> back again. Uh, so when my dad and I saw the movie Wanted, yeah, um, the Angelina, yes, Jolie. the Angelina did, did Jolie, you practice one. curving bullets. No, can you really so, drive a car over somebody else? Sam and is trying to I... tell me about Wanted, the masterpiece. <laughs> Please, you mean Sam. masterpiece? Hey, oh. um, I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. I'm sorry, Aster. It's <laughs> 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 my car, Aster. Oh my god. Um. Anyway. So my dad is, he's a military veteran, okay. um, and he right away was the first, and he goes, you can't curve a bullet like that. There's no possible way. So he and I constantly have, like, the sort of, like, is that physically possible? Um, and I think while it was extremely dramatic to watch that that m- murder-suicide, um, I couldn't help but keep pondering, how did she rip duct tape without her parents waking up? Like that stuff she is drunk them. Like, well, that's a good point. They had water or on the bedside table. You know, you it just say here, mom. Just a thought that she was very well planned for this, so she could have had right. the duct tape ready in the other room. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just well, making it up. Right, but some of the the physics of that. What if she yeah. had scissors? Like, yeah, that too. Um, Sam is somebody who goes to comic book conventions and ruins people's days. <laughs> I, I love doing that do too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that that observation, though, should not take anything away from the the drama that is that incredible panning, though, of that scene. Can but, I just so, say, I've done, in my own room, which is next door to my parents' room, far worse things and far louder things Jesus. than ripped duct tape. <laughs> oh. And they've never once confronted me about any of it, so... What's, what's great about that... At a certain point, maybe they yeah. did hear the duct tape, but they were just like, that's our daughter. <laughs> See, what's great about that... Oh, my God. ...is that you could have said anything there. Yeah. It would have been yeah. like, oh. Oh. Damn. 
interesting. <laughs> well, also, to end that wonderful opening scene that is terrible, mm-hmm. um, you have that, and, and we don't see the parallel at the end then, so we have no idea that this is going to take place, but you have Florence Pui's character doing this extremely loud, audible moan cry mm-hmm. uh, in the lap of Jack Rayner's character. It's on par with that of, um, what was the... The actress, uh, the lead actress, Tony Collette, Tony, Tony Collette's uh, performance in *Hereditary* and whatever you may say yes. about that film, um, the elements of—I mean, I don't mean to step on your toes in that—I think that yeah. those are comparable moments mm-hmm. in two films that just so happen to have been written and filmed and released back to back. All I'll say is, I felt like yeah. the speakers next to me were vibrating. Oh yeah, from her screen. Oh yeah, yeah, and like that gut-wrenching audible reaction like you don't get that like you get like the marvel movie explosion and you hear the bass and it's just kind of like out of sight out of mind at this point right like you hear a woman screaming in agony yeah and that's making the bass tremble vibrate it's super dude and then you and then you we literally feel, feel it all over your body. This incredible pan through the window where the snow outside like kind of looks both like snow and the shimmering sea in mm-hmm. the middle of the summer. Like it was just a wonderful opening. Yeah. Uh, and then that led on to a, a very interesting film that I've got opinions on many different scenes and many different aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, I'll end my opening remarks by just saying that I think this is actually a pretty wonderful film that I'm looking forward to seeing again. Um, I didn't necessarily need to see it in the theater again, but as soon as it comes out on home video, I'm going to be seeking it out, and I might actually purchase this. You might watch the uh, three-hour edition. If there is one. The Zack Snyder cut. Uh, If there is one, (laughs) I will probably be all Release it, cowards! (laughs) That was great. (laughs) Did you see that? Did you you see that? The The Skyrim thing? Yeah. Did I see it? I paid for it. <laughs> you don't even like that fucking movie. No, but I like the internet. And I like what happens when we all come together. Hey. Yeah. Um, I've got a lot of other thoughts, but I will uh, let someone else uh, do the talking. But I'm a fan of Midsummer, and I um, look forward to hearing everyone else's thoughts. Sam, sure. apparently you've been chosen to I, go next. I have we always chosen. save our guests for last, and I feel like we shouldn't... In case we all say like the same thing over and over, right, right. Yeah. I want to repeat you instead of the other way around. Okay. Sure. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Sam. Uh, no, you're good. Um, so I was excited for this one um, just because after seeing Hereditary, um, while I had very mixed feelings on it for the most part, I was floored by the acting performances, and I also admired the cinematic um i guess not necessarily brilliance but like um artistic craftsmanship yeah craftsman that's a perfect word thank you um craftsmanship of of the film um so knowing that it was going to be ari aster's work i got excited to see what else he can do um and if there's sort of any sort of growth um i know we had talked about it on the us episode um about how going from, you know, Jordan Peele's first work to a second work, you saw some growth, but it wasn't, you it needed more time. 
Um, and I think with how fast Aster's work was done and how like this process kind of occurred for this film, you can still see that there's growth that's occurring, um, which I really admired in some of the like really beautiful panning shots. Um, the one, so I know we'd mentioned it in that opening scene of like the, um, and also the sound effects of it too, of seeing the cars in the garage and then the camera very, like it takes its time and it takes you through that whole adventure of going through the house to find them. Mm -hmm. Um, and all the while you hear, and I thought it was very clever, the, you know, string instruments that are replicating that same sound of sirens and mm-hmm. uh, and somehow that all fades into um her, crying. her cries and it was really beautiful and yet that that sort of like you had mentioned that visceral um that visceral feeling with hearing her yeah um and i think that's true for a lot of this film um there's a lot more to this than than there was to hereditary for me there's a lot more of a visceral feeling that i connected with this film and in weird but not so weird ways um and i really appreciated that there was some i mean there's there's some truth to the history of what you know cultures have done in the past to try to keep their you know their land well their their community well fed Mm -hmm. you know their their land you know still yielding crops and things like that and then there's uh there's even contemporary stories, like not yeah. true stories, but in the case of uh, well, what's the name? I can't remember the name of the author for life of me, but there's the lottery. Yes. Yeah. Shirley, Shirley Jackson. Jackson. Shirley Jackson. Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Mary Shelley and I'm just like, Jinx. no, that's that's not. No, that's <laughs> not. Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, that's actually one of the ones that I thought of, too. Right. Um, and I think I had mentioned that, too, at the theater as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, How the, people hew to, hew to uh, superstitions. Yes. Um, through this idea of causation and correlation. Yeah. And I think there's what I also appreciate about this. Um, and one of the reasons why I liked it before, um, I wrap it up is, um, that there's, I appreciate that there's these overlapping themes and these, I I believe you'd said it best, Alex, that it's very thought provoking. Mm -hmm. Um, much like the other, piece that he's done already there's something there's these common threads that you find but the threads are frayed so you can see all these different ideas and, sh- and, and offshoots of it um and it's honestly i could not stop thinking about the film for probably a solid week after we'd seen it mm. i mean even to this day like even to now like a few weeks removed from it i still think about it occasionally of like um, certain like seeing certain scenes or like just the way that maybe a, a camera angle would would pan or things like that. To 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 go off of what you're saying, like I have not stopped thinking about how fantastic this movie showed hallucinations. Yes. Oh yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. That this is probably the the one recent film in like recent memory that I feel like has really tapped into that psychotropic effect but makes it like like there's a combination between what humans would see and what people want to see in the movie theater Mm -hmm. yeah and like like just there were so many flower oh the breathing flower was my favorite Mm -hmm. like as soon as i caught on to that i was like that is like a thing and it kept doing it the whole time it Mm -hmm. didn't just stop like it was um 
just the way like nature moved. I mean, when she's on the sitting on the chair and like the leaves and vines start to like slowly yes. move around her body yeah. when she moves. Oh man, I'm looking That's forward funny. to the uh, the making of for this film. If not, if for nothing else, then to like know how they actually created that effect because it I was agree. very uncanny and very weird. Yeah, mm-hmm. in a good way. In a good yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I liked it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, distinctive. You'll remember the film because of that. Yes. If for that, if nothing else, yeah. And I think that's actually a nice way for me to wrap up my thoughts on this. It's very, um, it's something that sticks with you. And I, I think that's what I admire most about this film. Because mm. um, while Hereditary kind of stuck with me, mm. it also has left the recesses of my brain at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's. Uh, I'll get I'll get into that a little bit on, yeah. on my, my turn. Yeah. <laughs> well, why don't you start off, Tucson, yeah. by okay. giving us your initial thoughts on yeah, this Yeah, okay, film. so... Um, just uh, just opening up, it's like I had I, – I went to go see this film with um, Nick, Alex, Anna, and Sam for the second time. I actually went to go see it um, just the week before with my friend Adam because he was like, hey, you always see films – with those guys all the time. I was like, I want to, sh- I want to like watch a movie with you and like you like not know everything. I was like, that's fair. And I was like, so we decided to go to see this film, and I really enjoyed it the first time. We had a really great discussion after the fact, and leaving that film, I was even more excited to go see it um, with y'all, mostly because of Sam and Anna, because I'm a man and I feel like this is really sort of the film that there's going to be perhaps a more not so much a divergence but nuanced interpretations between whether you are a man or a woman or or, or otherwise right and i was really looking forward to uh anna and sam's take so thank you so much sam for coming on this episode thanks for inviting um yeah (laughs) i i enjoy this film overall a lot more than hereditary which i will like just say that I was curious to see this film because I wanted to see if it would follow in the pattern of what I felt with Hereditary, which was I went to go see that movie twice in theaters, and I felt like that was the most that I really needed to see that movie. I liked it in theaters, but I don't feel like I have to ever go back and rewatch it because I feel like I just got everything that I could out of that film from those two viewings. And I feel – Amen. A, and, and, I, and, and it's not that I didn't like it. It's just it's, – it's, it's not – it's not that deep, guys. It's really, it's really not. Um, but I did really enjoy Midsummer, and I feel like to sort, to sort of a, a similar effect that I, I, I kind of feel this with this film. I'd be more keen to rewatch this than I would Midsummer on, on, on. I would be more keen to watch Midsummer no, okay. on home release than I would for Hereditary. Okay. Um, I think that this is a very affecting. Um, breakup film i think it's a very affecting breakup horror film um i think that it is fascinating uh just the performances on on display uh through danny played by florence Pooh and uh jack rayner who plays uh christian i just by the end of it i i I was just like there's so many horrific things that that happen over the course of of this film but really what really stuck out to me was just how shit of a boyfriend Christian is and how manifest that like his, 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 his total inability to be a partner to, to his partner 
throughout the course of that entire film. Not not only just that, he's just a, just a shit person, and he yeah. just reveals that in so many different little microaggressions. Even in like the first scene when um, Danny calls him in order to like sort of like calm down from the whole concern about that where, scene's great by the yeah, way because yes. because because he's like, well, you know, like this isn't the first time she does this. I mean, you always let you always let her do this, and it's like it's it, it's really more of him sort of putting aside and dampening her own concerns, her own very valid concerns, Mm -hmm. because he's just tired of hearing it. And you just see the expression on her face as she she sort of swallows her concern and just just packs it. Tells him he's right. Packs it inside. I'm so lucky to have you. Like how her Mm -hmm. her face just sort of Mm -hmm. transforms. And I was was like, man, that really makes me sick. Now, that being said, what's great about that opening scene Mm -hmm. is we have no context of the previous actions of these characters. No. Like, not saying anything about her character. Right. But she could be somebody who just does this every single day about nothing. Right. So, and we don't know that at the time. But I, I will tell you, though, and Anna and I both chatted about this that in that opening sequence Mm -hmm. essentially of watching how he treated her Mm -hmm. and perhaps it has to deal with gender roles as you you spoke of um, she and I both agreed that we had that initial gut reaction of we don't like him yeah Mm. Yeah. Of there's there's something not okay about him in this relationship because right. he's not like you said being a true partner. Yeah. There's he's no not concern. Intre- he's not entreating her like her concerns with weight or merit or respect. He might yeah. be a little bit annoyed by it, but it's just it's 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 really about just being there in the relationship and he's just not you can tell that he's just not emotionally present in that relationship and then it it just cuts to that next scene where he's like dude you gotta break up with her and then you got like that dumbass like guy who looks like uh sid from toy story being like oh man we're gonna fuck the swedish girls i'm just like man you are all just a bunch of awful awful motherfuckers i i just i literally they were being scouted Yeah, yeah they were just being yeah um and you know, however one might feel about um, Christian and Danny's relationship just from those two scenes, I just – there's no way that I could look at that and think that I, I feel sympathy for that man in that sort of situation. I'm just like, if it's really that bad, then you should leave that relationship and really you only stayed in that relationship out of some – idea of of obligation and that's and, and the, the the way that he treats her like a burden is like it just it just really it just it twists your skin crawl. and that and that was just from the first two scenes and then yeah. and then when he actually gets the call from her after the the bodies are discovered and he's walking back to the apartment and he's like trying to like hold her while she's just like viscerally sobbing mm-hmm. he, he, he looked like he was he was like he was the kid that was called on at class and he he didn't actually like study so he's like oh shit like he's he doesn't look like he's comforting his partner he looks like he's no. fucking petting a cat who's just like about to like rip into his flesh if he doesn't do it right he's like uh, sorry I, I, okay. I, I, I can't pantomime this on, on a podcast but I mean, he just looked, you he can't looked, pantomime he, it he regardless lo- he looks so he looks so uncomfortable in that he would rather be anywhere but there for his partner and, and, and then it just goes downhill from that point. as the film wears on it becomes very apparent that he is not a good partner no he's whatsoever. not yeah in addition he's also just a bad person in general yeah, yeah. because dude what the fuck well i mean that's, like not not like he was like tr- like and then he thought he was trying to do what was best for her mm-hmm. 
without talking to his friends first or shitty of people as they may be. Right. He's just kind of like, oh, by the way, and by the way, and by the way. It's like, it feels like he probably does this a lot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Seems like he does this a lot. You can even see in their expressions, too, when that occurs Mm -hmm. of. Oh, here we go again. Right. That they're, they're not surprised. But at the same time, you can see disappointment mm-hmm. that it happened again. Right. And then he has probably the thing that annoys Toussaint the most, other than him being a shitty person, oh, yeah. when he tries to steal somebody at work. Yeah, yes. trying to steal, trying to steal somebody's scholarship. I was just like, dude, what the fuck? It's like, well, I didn't know that you were going to be. Yes, you did, motherfucker. I literally, he literally talked about this right before they went on the trip. And just because he doesn't have any fucking like original ideas for himself, and I'm not gonna. Put this on blast, but like I remember after I remember after we 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 no it I was talking with somebody else with a with a mutual friend uh, Sherry about this yes. film and I'm just like man that guy kind of reminds me of the one guy yes. from when we were in undergrad that yes. guy from undergrad would totally do that shit fuck that guy forever yeah sorry that was sort of a, an English major sort of like. Thing. Yeah, but like, yeah, we've met, we've met Deep people, we've met people like that who yes. are just the total shit stain of the earth and like, yeah, <laughs> fuck, fuck Christian. He is not a good scholar. Yeah. Um, my other impressions about this film are that I love the, like what we talked about before, the psychotropic effects. Mm-hmm. It felt like some weird Boschian take on like Google deep dreams somehow committed to cinematography. And I just don't know how they achieved that, but it was really, really cool. Um, one thing that I prefer about this film to hereditary, um, is the fact that it's not focused on supernatural shit, at least explicitly. There's not a lot of supernatural shit in this. It's more of like psychotropic and more like, like mortal pagan sort of like rituals without like the, um, the intervention of a, of a malicious, like out outer worldly force like in hereditary because i feel like for me that's just sort of like diffused what was actually legitimately scary about this in that it's about these two respective films when you stack them up together what's interesting about them as horror films is that they are totally antithetical to what we are usually come to expect from more mainstream horror films and where it's like a roller coaster ride that goes up and down and up and down whoa here's a crescendo here's the really scary part it's like but really honestly the film as a horror film starts with probably the, the both of those films start with the most visceral and affecting and terrifying and intimate type of horror situation, which is losing a loved one or losing your family in the most barbaric way possible. And then just sort of having to cope through the motions of like losing that all the while being ensnared in the machinations of something greater than yourself when you are at arguably your most vulnerable moment. Yeah. And I think that is what I, I take away from these films. And I think that they're so interesting. Um, and I, and, and I think that removing the, the, the sort of element of, of supernatural shit in, in midsummer really like it, 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 it punctuates what is so horrifying about the situation in that effectively uh, Danny Christian was such a shit boyfriend and Danny was so vulnerable that she eventually finds herself falling into sort of the 
she finds herself enamored into the collective of what is essentially a pagan cult because as 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 horrifying as the pagan cult is how alien their customs are somehow they're able to project more warmth and more concern and more okay. uh, consideration and, and comfort for her in her time of need than someone that she's been in a relationship with for years years mind you that he has forgotten how many years they have actually been together so it's just it's just all these little fucking microaggressions also this film is fucking hilarious i'm sorry to like like i'm trying to like get all of my thoughts off oh, of this, yeah. but uh, honestly one of the films that this has been compared to is the original wicker man which i still maintain is like one of my favorite horror films of all time and i can't believe that the shitty remake with uh, Nicolas Cage is all but dwarfed in the cultural consciousness. That's funny of fucking, for different reasons. You know, it's, it's a fucking meme movie, and I'm just like, no, but like, the original, <laughs> the, ori- the original Wicker Man is actually a very well put together horror movie that skirts on, on moments of comedy, and not in a laugh out loud way, oh, I'm just like, what the fuck, where I just don't know where to I don't know how to get my footing, and I felt like this with with this film as well because I think that there are actually legitimately funny moments, um, like with uh, uh, William Will, William Holder? Jackson, yeah, Harper, oh. yeah, his character where uh, when they first get to the actual um, Midsummer grounds and they're looking at like the 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 like one of the stones or whatever, it's like oh yeah, what language is this? This is uh. Elder Plutarch, right? He's like, no, this is younger Plutarch, and he just hangs his head. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, you've just spent, like, I don't know how many years in your post-grad, like, grad, like, thing just, like, studying this shit. And that, that was one of the moments that I was just like, oh, man. It was, like, just little, just little, like, nudges. If you want to talk about comedy with this film, uh, it really helps to have a good audience. Mm-hmm. And I yes. think Nick picked up on this. I mean, I think everybody did, but one of the first things we talked about afterwards is that we saw it with, A, a number of people in the theater with us and people who were into what this film was doing. Right, right, yeah. And the sex scene that happens late in this film. Holy shit. I feel like people were, like, really laughing. Oh, yeah. Not, like, cracking up laughing, but also, like... They were on this film's wavelength. Like, what yeah. the fuck is oh, no. going it, on? It is so ridiculous that it, you just kind of have to laugh at it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, you have an older, a bunch of just older naked women. Just, just watching this dude. And this this just dude is stoned. I'm yeah. guessing he's probably been slipped some sort of Viagra in yeah. the thing as well. He yeah. just walks in, goes into the... 15 year old girl or whoever else she's supposed to be and at some point the, the old woman yes. just goes yes. behind him and starts yes. pushing his buttocks <laughs> as if to milk the prostate like what the <laughs> fuck is going on well, I, I know I know I know I know I know Nick I wasn't, know wasn't I quite know. milking the prostate I know I know but that's okay I do know. we need to have a talk no we don't <laughs> we don't need to have a talk okay I mean the the other woman who appears might be this girl's actual mother mm. like is getting up and like feeling around me and then she's it's feeling like her hair, hair and yeah. it's just... This is what milking yeah. the prostate was. I don't know. Oh, no, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, Nick. Yeah. Thank no, but God, this is audio only. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry. Uh, we'll post links. Oh, <laughs> God. No, we, 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 don't, we don't do social media very well. Okay. We, we, we talk a big game, but, but no. no. But no, there are lots of other scenes that that's probably like the easiest one to remember, but there are lots of other scenes, like you say, Tucson, yes. that are quite funny. Yeah. Um, at least like, Going off of the humor part, uh, I remember the first time 
watching this film in the theater and just like reacting to the finale uh, when it shows her face. And as soon as it cut to black, I couldn't help but just say, you go, girl. And like the people next to me started laughing. I'm just yeah. like, I'm just like, what? What? She? I don't think she was totally in the wrong for the shit that happened. As fucked up as that sounds, I think I admire the woman that sat to the left of you. Yeah. Um. And how? So after that ending happened, yeah. and you were like, "You go, girl." Yeah. And the woman very loudly yeah. goes, "Is that it? Yeah. Is that the end? Yeah. Like." And she's like, "Really?" Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna call my son. He told me I had to see this film. Um, one last thing that I want to sort of like leave, leave on, and then uh, move on to Nick, uh, is that I feel like a recurrent. There's a when you look at these two films back to back, you can see that a lot of the the same tropes and the same beats sort of repeat themselves if rearranged in different ways, and that's fine. That's cool, but I also think that. Um, since Ari Aster has said that after this he might like take a break from horror, I think that might be for the best. Said he wanted to do some sort of comedy. Yeah, things. he wanted to do some, and I think you know he would probably be very good at comedy coming off of like this film. I, was like, I think that he's capable of that. And besides, it wouldn't be like an horror and, old school ho- comedy. Horror and comedy are are like adjacent on the same wavelength in some respects when it comes yeah. to like how they are. Um, set tension up. release tension, yes. tension release and like how they're set up milking the prostate yeah okay uh yeah milk, mil- milking the the the, the prostate of of the, of, the, of the cinematic anticipation anyway um mtp one one thing that i think that he keeps on coming back to is sort of symmetry symmetry like how he lays out scenes like that's something that's very recurring a lot of things and you know it's, it's it's nice when the when the sets are set up when the mise en scène is pretty well, but I think that it's a little bit rote. Um, he just keeps on coming back to it. Also, he has this sort of uh, predilection for uh, using naked bodies cast in silhouettes as sort of like punctuating moments of horror. Um, I mentioned that before in our Hereditary episode, and I feel like that is also apparent in this film as well. And it's like, I'm just, and as soon as I saw that, I'm just I immediately thought of like that scene in Hereditary. I'm just like keeps on coming back to those naked bodies man just casting silhouettes and just like and i think it's effective but at the same time it just feels like oh well i've already seen that trick before so yeah so i think that i think this is a good film i enjoy it more than hereditary and i'm looking forward to what he comes out next that is not horror related because i really want to see what else he he's he's got in store for us nick yeah. Uh, well, actually, you know, I will start off really quickly as a almost rebuttal to That's fine. one thing, which is the idea of the uh, repeated trick of the naked bodies. If anything, I feel like his movies skewed uh, more towards the kind of art house uh, Euro horror of like the seventies, mm-hmm. um, in which some international artists like uh, Jess Franco, a Spanish filmmaker, uh, not Euro, but he was influenced by it, right. um, and John Rollin, a French uh, horror filmmaker, they kind of ooze sexuality into their filmmaking to the point where so many gothic stories that they would tell. They just, like, part of it was for sex exploitation reason, but another part of it was because, like, why even go through the motions of finding a costume if it's probably more off-putting <laughs> to not even, to take the same scene and basically to dress it down to its bare essence, which mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, the taboo image, which is funny because it's technically what we're born with. And I, don't, I don't know if it's necessarily um, 
necessarily like bathed in in sex, sexuality. No, I'm not saying it, it, this one is, yeah. but it it harkens back, I would say, to a time in which. I would say nude bodies were slightly more acceptable, um, mm. whether it's because it's abroad or B, it's from an era in which we discovered that we could put sex in bodies into movies. So we put a lot of them, if not too many of them, right. in everything, whereas now we're a little more conservative, at least uh, in our continent, yeah. um, as to when and how. Like Now we can only do it if it's an R-rated gross-out comedy mm-hmm. because ha-ha-ha, he-he-he. Or a horror film that sort of plays off the like how uncomfortable people feel with naked bodies in general when it comes to... Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I I very much enjoyed this movie. Had a lot of fun with it. I was a fan of Hereditary and still am. Um, mm-hmm. I think the idea that it's a uh, shallow well is... Eh. Um, I, you can say about any movie, you can get everything you you know can out of a movie after so many viewings, but that's not true of anything, even if mm. the movie sucks. <laughs> yeah. So I, I hesitate to think that just because its ending uh, wraps up that movie with a resolution that uh, is starkly literal, that there's still not depths uh, of its psychological profile. But uh, I digress, because we all talked about Hereditary, so that was right. my comment about Hereditary. Yeah. Uh, Midsummer, though, I definitely think is a step forward for Aster as a filmmaker, and I'm I was very excited to see it, and it did not disappoint whatsoever. I thought, I thought it was hilarious. Um, <laughs> I thought, as a black comedy, it was genuinely funny, both in extremely uh, purposeful ways, like having Will Poulter just say a few lines in the background of every scene, and, yeah. and I genuinely liked that he was never really foregrounded, except for maybe. In two scenes that I can think of, and hey, both scenes. Were hey guys, like, she's she's. Um, I'm gonna go. She's gonna show me. Show me. You know <laughs> what? What is she gonna show you? Do Do you care? It's like, nah. I don't. I don't really care. <laughs> I was gonna say the scene where they first uh, take the uh, shrooms or the acid or whatever, mm-hmm. and he's on. They're all on the prairie, and he just wants them all to lie down. He's like, can you can you lie down? You're you're freaking me out. We all need to be lying down. Um, yeah. That and when he pissed on the uh, dead living tree of whatever. Yeah, the ancestral yeah. tree. Yeah, the ancestral yeah. tree. Which he, w- he was dead from that. Well, actually. It just moved that's things a, along. That's a good. It really did. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll get back to that later. Yeah, and yeah. what I liked about that was that because that didn't actually seem like a out-of-place scene. Like, I could see in a, like even a good American foreigner looking out at this open land, seeing nothing that you can really hide behind, and then just seeing what looks like a dead tree out where no one else is. So why wouldn't you go over there, go behind it, and then, you know, take a piss? When you're talking about his best lines, the line that I know you reacted to the most, uh, well, maybe not the most, but you did really enjoy, is he was not present during the suicide scene, and he was very disappointed that he missed that. Oh, man, you let me sweep through that? When everyone else who is not a native to this group was not feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. Um... And, you know, I'm starting to come around as to how I feel about Ari Aster as a filmmaker, which is that I've come to the realization that, for me, Ari Aster is my uh, my personal version, and maybe a specific, uh, let's say, my horror version, of other people's uh, Inaritu, which is oh. that I don't give a shit what Ari Aster says in publicity about his movies, because the idea that this is a breakup movie, while is technically sound and like I'm not disputing 
his vision and what he claims us to be. I just find that to be one of the least interesting lens to look at this movie because, mm-hmm. in my opinion, uh, the Florence Pugh's character of um, what's her Danny Danny, Danny yeah. um, couldn't even remember. Her I name. know, right? Yeah, you're I couldn't, just I like either. you're it's just been three like weeks. Christian. We were supposed to do this up. I mean, not in a bad way, but like. Yeah. Normally we do like a so anyway yeah um, <laughs> well you, you me feel bad well people started attacking me Sam <laughs> <laughs> um uh but to call this a breakup movie I just think that that takes one of the more interesting uh, aspects of Danny's character and it too much tethers her character and her character's arc to the male who is funny to have around because there is a lot of, uh, I would say, kind of dark humor to mine from just how pathetic he is as a partner uh, and as a boyfriend and an emotional codependent person. Um, But I don't think her story is necessarily uh, dependent on him the way she thinks it is. And so the, the idea that this was, quote-unquote, in Astor's words, that this was a breakup film and the horror version of it, it's just, I personally thought this was more of a um, a tale of, as we've said the word, but of self-identity and having an identity crisis because to, to exist in your own world is fucking hard enough without having to deal with other people, and yet to live in this world, <laughs> that it, it comes with the price of admission. And so for her to start this journey... Is that of, Sartre? <laughs> Are you quoting Sartre? No, not okay. that I know of. I'm sorry. I thought you said Star Trek for a no, moment. I, no, I, no. <laughs> I was like, what? No, I'm sorry. I but thought, no, then you said, okay. I thought it was... That makes it, more sense than sounded, Star sounded, Trek. Uh, yeah. It'd be good to hear a very, Picard talk about the price of admission. A very... Uh, it's a uh, good thing these characters didn't, didn't get engaged. It was a, it was a very Trek existentialist okay. sort of like sentiment that <laughs> you sort of like put I across. I didn't know it, so I... Would, yeah. Picard says, engage. Every time the ship takes off. Yeah. It shows you how much I watch... Is is that the next generation? Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, that's, yeah. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Got that right. Well, if you haven't watched it, make it so. Uh, that's another quote. From anyway. Thank you. I think he got that one, even though he wouldn't actually identify it. But I find Danny's uh, journey to be fulfilling in, in an insular way that's interesting and um fascinating and heartbreaking, I would say, in spite of a character like Christian. And it's not to say that he serves no purpose or anything like that in the movie, but I think it almost downplays her agency to say that this is a breakup movie, as if her choice at the end is only important in the context of getting rid of a Christian. And I don't think it all comes down to, oh, she hates this man, No, it's not. therefore... She's a spiteful bitch. Like, that's no, what I kind of hear when no, I hear Ari yeah. Aster talk about this movie. I'm not yeah. saying that's... And if anyone subscribes to the idea that this is a breakup film, I'm not saying that everyone else is pushing that no. yeah. as a message. But yeah. I, I think when he talks about it, it just sounds like he's like a like a high school kid like a, giggling. This is a, a this is like a jilted boyfriend sort of like... Yeah. Like, yeah. It, right. it, 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 it sounds... Yeah. Like, like she got to have her carry moment, but... Uh, this is a lot more complicated than just that. It's also about um, 
Well, I'll, I'll let, I'll let yeah. you, you and yeah. I'll, Thank you I'll very let, yeah. much. Yes, yeah, please, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, as for me, her journey is, uh, as I said, one of self-identity uh, crises and whatnot. And so, for her to start this journey, um, uh, just heartbreakingly tethered to her family, which who she loves, and for presumably good reason. We have no real reason to believe that even her sister, with uh, obvious problems or whatever, that any one of the three has anything but love for her sister, or for her. And so for her to lose part of her identity, because family and friends end up becoming part of who you are because of just by through osmosis uh or emotional uh osmosis whatever osmosis jones who knows uh <laughs> yeah what was going on on a microscopic level during all this shit we're gonna get to that so for this journey to start with her heartbreakingly losing uh a huge part of her identity that was good for her and for then for her to latch on to the worst parts of her uh, emotional codependency in her life with that of Christian. Um, and for that to mirror each other, but one's being a tragic fate uh, thrusted on up- upon her, and the ending being a choice she gets to make. It becomes this weird funhouse mirror of each other of events because it starts with the three of them dying through carbon monoxide poisoning, but she gets to uh, essentially make the the choice to allow Christian to die and everybody else uh, in that house of uh, smoke inhalation. And it's kind of the two sides of the same coin. And here she like, I I think at this point it's kind of, this is the last thing that's holding her back from actually, you know, becoming a fully realized person in her eyes. Now the tragedy of the story is that she is only doing this in service of a cult and an organization that will strip away any semblance of identity from her. But that is more comforting to her at this point because of the culmination of events that have happened and interactions that she has uh, engaged with that she doesn't see that there is a way to move forward um, outside of just giving in. And and I just think that that's what's powerful about that finale. And that um, and I think my favorite scene, and then I'll pass it off, um, and where the crux of the movie is for me is that we, we another parallel is that we had talked about earlier about after the, the three family members die uh, and uh, Christian comes over to console her in his way and her, you know, moaning cry is very gut-wrenching and hard to watch. And, you know, he just sits there silently not doing much of anything right and for her to find this creepy cult like nothing that this cult has done including letting people elderly whatever people fall to their death and then finishing them off if they don't die oversized acme that hammer whole, i was gonna say that yeah. whole thing's bullshit when they pull out mjolnir or whatever the fuck <laughs> thor's hammer is called mjolnir, yeah and then just someone you just remembered I try. Yeah. I've seen all of them but now at this point, so you know it's it's made its way in. No, I mean it looks like a fucking carnival game where yeah. they're just bing. And up, I think that's part of the humor of it too. At oh, the same absolutely. Time. It is. Yeah. It is, but it 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 takes away from their argument of it being this spiritual thing that people die when they're seven. You're like, no, you had somebody smack them with a hammer. Yeah, that's well, it's, it's it's like just uh, trying to facilitate the spiritual experience. Yeah, it's like um, Rob could have done a little more. It's like Harry Curry. <laughs> It's like Howard Curry, where uh, the the samurai has to basically like cut open his own guts and stuff, and he's not yeah. if they're not able to like do it 
properly, and then yeah, the, there are people assigned to finish it for them, right? Just in case it goes south, or in case they chicken out or whatever. Right. That's that's pretty yeah. much the same equivalent. Yeah. Of, no, yeah. and that's and it's a different uh, countries, you know, tradition. But it's interesting that there's a confluence of just that same sort of. Um, um, the same sort of ideas when it comes to like ritualistic suicide. Yeah. Yeah. This is really random. Okay. If I can just sneak this in real sure. quick. Yeah. <laughs> During the final scene, when the people who've been chosen, some of them are dead already, are being burned in the house of horrors, and the entire community is screaming out um, as if they yeah. are feeling the burning, which obviously they are not. Yeah. Um, I don't know why, and I just like kept giggling to myself because I kept thinking of Florence Plea, Plea being like Lucy when she's no Ricky. I don't know why. I thought that the the scene that has her just sort of, um, just just tr- like moving uh, in her in her uh, floral gown. Oh, it looks she's, ridiculous. She's just yeah. no, she's just struggling against the weight of it yeah. while um, the. Uh, building is like burning in the background. She's just like sobbing just because she's trying to exert all this force while like moving yeah. herself around and also just like coping with like grief and just like sort of like the cathartic sort of um, that smile screaming, at the end. Screaming and yeah. I I, I want to talk. I want to talk a little bit about that because I want to uh, ask Sam about that because we can I really quickly sorry finish. Man. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry yeah. and I was just like finish halfway it. through. So yeah, sorry, yeah, a, a thought at least. Yeah. Uh, Come back to the two, two, yeah. Sorry, just uh, so yeah. that way I don't forget. No problem. My bad. Uh, the parallel mm-hmm. between uh, her being very uh, uh, horribly consoled by her uh, horrible boyfriend, Christian, uh, just in dead silence as she does that, uh, so that where she would ignore everything that this cult has done up until this point, including ritualistic suicide, if not accomplice the murder to help it <laughs> speed it along, um, and for her to find solace in the scene in which she uh, is in that, uh, you know, I believe it's after she. Uh, she's in like a barn. Or yeah, she's in like the that. barn, and yeah. she she's. I believe it's after she discovers that Christian was, uh, well, not even taken. She just knows that Christian is having sex yes. with that uh, other woman. Context doesn't matter. Yeah, either. no, but she gets yeah. to see that that's a thing, and for her to then do that wailing cry again. Only this time, everybody who is present, and I think it's uh, certainly interesting that it's all females, yes. because I believe that she's mistaking this as a false sense of feminine uh, strength and whatnot, uh, because then they all start to mimic her wailing, and it dwarfs her own identity to the point where she would rather uh, you know, lose herself uh, and find comfort in the fact that her pain now doesn't even matter because it doesn't belong to her anymore. Everybody gets to share this, which is such a horrible way to actually process trauma. It's because e- It's equally validating and invalidating for the fact that – again, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like it's validating and invalidating for the fact that – it's validating for the fact that it, it sort of entreats that pain – as a weight that is too much for one person to carry. And so these people are meant to be sort of like midwives and like helping to carry that pain. And it's invalidating because her pain is not her own. Who she is, is not her own. She is part of a collective. She is not a singular person. I'm sorry to step on your toes again. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm done. Sorry. (laughs) I've just said, 
got nothing left. Okay. okay. Um, Tucson, you were going to ask something of Sam. Yes. Uh, we, so we were talking about this shortly before we uh, were recording, but you were talking about the reaction to uh, the ending for uh, Midsummer and how you had talked about it with some other people. Yeah. And what, what, what was about that? So to, to kind of, I guess to kick it off, um, there, I had not heard the claim that he, that Aster said that this was like a breakup film. Um, and hearing that, it's not that I disagree with it, um, but I don't necessarily fully support it. Mm. Um, I think there's a lot, there's a lot of those dynamics within this film for sure, but I don't think that's the overall arc at all. Um, however, I think the relationship that Christian and Danny have, it certainly is tested in this. Um, and that sort of, like I'd mentioned earlier with how right away I didn't like Christian yeah. with no prior context to his character at all. Mm-hmm. Granted that could be fast judgment call and so on and so forth. Um, but there's that, that sort of, and intuition that you have let of me just, like there's let me just, just know. Yeah, yes yeah that especially um and i know i i mentioned this previously too that at some point or another someone whether you're male female or otherwise you've encountered a relationship like this before mm-hmm. where you've had a an unsupportive part, partner um and so it's been one of those things where you know exactly how she feels but you also feel that sense of I need to get out, but you don't know how to get out because there is emotional dependency. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that in the very end, it's a forced break um, and that it's in in the most physical sense, an absolute, like there's no chance of this ever occurring again, um, is super, like it's it hits the core a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find it very... Um, I'm trying to think of the right word for it. Um, sort of relieving. Cathartic? Um, yeah, cathartic. Yeah. Um, and I know oftentimes flames and fire is used as a, as a form of cleansing, just as water is too, that like duality and that irony. Um, but that sort of, um, and, and I very much felt the same way as, um, as Florence's character of that sort of, you're grieving for a loss that, you know, you wanted to exist, but it never truly existed. Um, and I think that's what made that ending a little bit more powerful and that smile at the very end a little bit more enchanting, if you will. I don't mm. think that's the right word, Subversive? but we're going with it. Yeah. I feel like there's so many different ways you could go with her reaction at the end. Yes, and I think that's yeah. kind of why I like it. Mm-hmm. It's that sort of, you can't really tell what the smile is for and I just thought the she, depth had to, of it. she farted. <laughs> That's one way. That of is it one too. direction you could yeah. go. Florence PU. <laughs> I mean the the I think probably one of the most obvious is that she's happy that he's gone. Yeah. Or that well, she's been fully indoctrinated into sort of this idea and that she subscribed that to too. sort of this I mean right. now everything this 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 um this avatar of 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 awfulness has been destroyed now even the things that the weight that she feels is kind of lifted from her 
And I mean, to go off of what Sam was talking about, this idea of, of even like cleansing this this black spot away <laughs> from her being, yeah. is is that leading to her, you know, smiling for? I mean, it's it's well played and well done by her too. I mean, just the it's not like she has a creepy Joker smile. Like it's a very like it's subtle. Fun. Oh yeah, I. I very much enjoy her performance, mm-hmm. um, and and for as much as I, I guess the way I'll phrase it is, I don't want to have to compare this to Hereditary constantly. Yeah, but at the same time, can't help. I can't help it because she is very reminiscent of I can't remember her name. Tony Collette. Tony yes, um, mm-hmm. of her character and that sort of. There's such depth to the emotions that they portray. And there's, um, especially in that, I mean, overall, once she becomes, once Danny becomes the May Queen, um, there's a lot that you sort of see her gaining self-confidence in a weird way. Um, it's unfortunate that it takes a cult um, and the, like... Putting oh, on, out put, dancing putting on a facilitator, by the way, <laughs> yeah. to have her be the May Queen. Yes. Yeah. That, oh yeah, I definitely felt that. Oh yeah. Um, and it's, it's very telling that at the same time that that's what it takes for her to have enough, to, to help build up her self-confidence at the end, to finally say, yes, I want, you know, I don't want to be with him anymore in, in the broadest sense possible. But did she have... Did she actually think that, or is she just now part of the group that is like, oh, we need to kill him because the crops? Which is a solid question. Mm-hmm. Be- I do have to say, though, that it was between him and another person. So it's not necessarily that it was solely him and mm-hmm. they kind of like picked him out. And well, and there's like, something to be said about the fact that she can project horrible shit onto him because of yes. their relationship in and of itself. And yet he's just some random guy who got selected through an actual lottery. Right. Where had right. A machine so how is that fair to him yeah. when no, you can? Yeah. No, I'm just saying. So when you can look at as a first person as, you know, Christian and be like, well, I can name things that you've done that are wrong. Like, you know, and it's that kind of horrible sense of morality that only comes from like a very biased first person's perspective. Yeah. Also, too, to combine it with the uh, the Wicker Man, and this is a really silly reference, but he's wearing a bear suit when he gets burned alive. Oh no, I absolutely! I, that's I thought was a direct. I mean, the there was that kind of throughout the whole movie. Um, mm-hmm. The one of the bed sheets was the Shining's carpet. Yeah, no, there were a lot for of, no real reason. I, I brought up <laughs> the Wicker Man as soon as we left the theater, but yeah. there were lots of references throughout the entirety of the film. So. Yeah. That was probably just the easiest one to tease out. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Which, yeah, but we, and this... Yeah, oh, go ahead. what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say that bear scene where they throw the bear on the table. Um, and you initially... Well... Did I see, by the way, there's a bear action figure now? Yeah, it was, yeah, was, was a little joke was, thing. Was that a spoof? Okay. Yeah. No, it's a real thing. It was, it, oh, okay. it's a, is it a real thing that they're selling? I, I think it's a limited <laughs> thing, but yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. That bear in a cage bear is a an cage. action figure. Yeah, it's yeah. a bear. You don't think film nerds it's are a bear. Gonna, are it's a bear. Oh, that's the same thing that they did for the promotion for Hereditary, where they had the little dolls that Charlie created, and they like you know. Sorry that I cut you off. No, you're good. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, but that that little scene of like Christian being wheeled in 
Um, and that's sort of like you don't they just show you the table and then you see like the bear and everything. I definitely thought he was going to be thrown onto the table and just gutted in front of us. Yeah. Um, so when I saw that it was a bear instead, I was like, Whew, this is a lot like, more bearable. Wait. Hmm. <laughs> the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. That's where you um, went with that? Let's burn this yeah. man in a pyre. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what a twist. Wow, this is so turning um, into, I don't even want to say, <laughs> but it's... But it's, yes, yeah. to, to what Please you were going to say. Oh, boy. Uh, I don't know where to go Prior to the bear. What was I going to say? I forgot at this point. We're talking about I'm the sorry. bear. We're talking about Jack. Just before Jack the bear. Rainer. Okay. Um, oh. Yes. Comparing this to Hereditary, though, it's, it's not even that it's a lazy thing because this movie begs to be compared to Hereditary, not just by the virtue of being made by the same person, yeah. but made by the same person who clearly has between two films, the same fascinations, which is following a female uh, protagonist who is consumed by grief and the rabbit hole of uh, unraveling a uh, exterior community and or possible conspiracy uh, that kind of supersedes her own grief, uh, either out of just necessity or ignorance or whatever. And yet, both of them, uh, they ended up being a flip side of each other because if heredity ends with Tony Collette's character being consumed by that uh, thread and becoming the victim as she literally finds herself in that little wooden house uh, there, uh, Florence Pugh's character is able to make the choice to flip it and once she gets to the end of where this goes decides that she would rather live a hollow life did she make the choice to not be inside, or was she rather just sort of like well, pushed into the she's position? She's not screaming she, at the end. I, I, mean, I know. I know. I'm not but, saying she like. I, I'm comparing the two. Uh, it's it's right. not so much as look at the text and that's the interpretation of it. So much right, as right, right. trying to say that it, it becomes this mirrored version yeah. of a character yeah. uh, succumbing to deciding to live with this mm-hmm. because. You know, you're either inside or you're outside right. type thing. And you're either in the bear cage or you're out of the bear cage. So, but yeah, there, there's a lot of similarities. There. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. For sure. So um, what about sort of the early parts of this film where everyone's trying to play it on, Is everything is on the up and up? Because I think that's one of the more fascinating parts of this film to me uh, because obviously after we get halfway – the tables turn and it becomes clear what's going on here for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the like explanations of, no, no, there is only room for one person in that car. It's just like, no, there wasn't. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, we have the early on when it's fun for the first time viewing because, I mean, I think most people had a pretty good idea what was going to be happening in this film. But at the same time, like we see all of their fun happenings with drugs early on and all of their loving welcomes and all the things that definitely feel bizarre but are disguised by the fact that this is a different culture and we should be embracing this um and all of a sudden you're just getting sucked into this world that both as a film viewer and as the characters on the screen um are just trying to understand and then when you're too far in and you start seeing people dying it's like 
uh, okay. I guess this is okay. So I, I had a I had a conversation with a friend, more of a debate, an impromptu debate with a friend. More of the, a fight. More of a fight about this film with a Physical. friend. With a friend, <laughs> and I wanted to ask, um, sort of your impression about this. Like, so Christian and his two friends who were brought by Pele and Pele's brother Igmar, who brought the other two people. The people who were the outsiders that were brought to this Midsummer Fest, they were supposed—they they were already supposed to be sacrificed. Oh yeah, they're fun. as part as, 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 as part, as part oh, of yeah. this before, but, but before whatever they did respectively, right? Sure. There was just going to be be a reason to, to kill them off. Whether it's Will Porter's like Sid character who decides to like pee on the ancestral tree and just make a total ass of himself. And reading then, the sacred text or taking photos or read, of it read, or whatever. Read, reading I mean, the sacred text or, or... I'll say this. Or just being chosen by the May Queen for... He was told not to do that. Yeah. So. I, I'll say this. <laughs> I would say, while I pretty much can see that, yeah. I would say it's 50-50 in the sense that I think this cult would genuinely welcome anybody into it. Um, it, just, it just so happened that they needed right. somebody for this. Yeah, like like yeah. They, they are here. They can be sacrificial lambs. But I would think that if any one of those four, including her, got really into it, they're not going to be like, oh, well, we have to sacrifice you. Sorry. Because uh, I actually take the dance contest to be – I'm not saying it's not rigged in a sense, but – she could have fell down oh, yeah. right. at any point. So I don't think that it it just becomes this. She doesn't realize that the strength. The, I would say the Machiavellian mind of maybe them taking Christian, having him, you know, have sex with that girl, mm-hmm. having her to see it. I'm not saying that they weren't inching towards that or trying to push it, but I think they are pretty much game for whatever fucked up scenario happened, whether it's her getting so mad that she decides but to But they are definitely the stacking the deck. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. The, the contention that my friend had, one of the less dumb contentions I think he had on this, <laughs> like, yeah, we, we got it. We got it. Oh, we got, in, I, we got into it. It's like, is it, and one that I, I sort of want to unpack here is that, the way that the film sort of like frames the reason why these people died, there's there's two conflicting messages. Like they were already going to be brought here to die, right? Mm-hmm. But then sort of like the film is following like these three core like guys who seem to just be hoisted by their own petard in such a way, and they are undone by their own foibles or whatever yeah. like that. But then there's the two other people who who didn't have fucking shit to do well they're not the main characters so we don't technically know no no i mean but like we don't we, know what they, they could did. have done something they stupid. could have done something For but example, we don't we, we don't they see. were the two most vocal against the ritual suicide yeah so so that's their foible. well if they want to leave yeah okay none I'm... of the other three indicated that they wanted to go like outside and bring people in to yeah. stop this in shit. Fa- in fact, in fact they, they seem more interested right yeah. Yeah. so i i would say that would be the most I would say so. The reason screen. why they they died was more to sort of like contain the insularity. Of, they were of, always going to die. It wouldn't have, they could have all, all they could have all spoken out. On I agree what I, what with I think your it, friend. What I think it is is that the the criticism is that if they are already going to die, and the film frames it as though these characters are being undone by their own hubris or their own sort There's of... There's two things happening at the same time yeah. and they kind of cancel each other out, which yeah. is that either A, this is following the uh, Willy Wonka factory rules, which <laughs> is that yeah. everybody is either their own worst enemy uh, in, in, in breaking... That, that yeah, this was like, in breaking this, the this rules. Is, was, well, it's... Uh, 
uh, Willy Wonka or Wizard of Oz, Oz for perverts or some shit like that. And I'm just like, I guess I see that. Yeah. Or it's just preordained in which if that doesn't matter, then why should we as the viewers care about the uh, tension between them mm. making these mistakes? Right, and right, right. So I agree that there's a mixed message there. Right. Uh, yeah. And it could have been... It could have picked a lane, basically. Yeah, I, I see that. Yeah, that's that's one of the ones that I will concede on that part. Hmm. Um, yeah, I like I I do I do like this film. I think that there are some parts that um, kind of grate on me uh, in 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 hindsight, in the same way that it sort of graded on me uh, for Hereditary. But overall, I think that as a whole, I do enjoy this film. Yeah, how about that tapestry? The tapestries oh, are great. God. Yeah. Was it great? That's think, fucked up. I think the tap, yeah. the tapestries uh, perform the same function as the, um, the dioramas in Hereditary, yeah, where they they sort of harken to events that are that are happening or are going to happen. The, the, Which only suggests that the movie leans towards the preordained aspect, which makes the idea that. You know that these like those scenes, like where he reads the book or whatever, mm-hmm. and they're outraged. Is, is it? It's almost too performative in nature right. uh, they on perf- their part. Are they performing outrage? But it is too performative. I mean, the whole film is like the description of the guy continuously saying, "No, there's only one seat in the truck. Yeah. There's only one seat in the truck." Right. Like for us as the viewer, this whole thing seems ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like it, it seems like bullshit. But yet she's still like just trying to understand what this guy's fucking saying. Yeah, because well, she's in the moment. I don't one great thing about that, this but... movie, I will say, one great scene, I should say, mm-hmm. is that I've never seen a movie completely get away with. I would say, subliminally, I not because it's so subconscious that you can't notice it. Like obviously it's there, but the movie never actually goes out of its way to suggest that it's something that will happen and. And I'm building this up, but but that an entire audience would think that something is definitely going to happen, and for the film to not even broach it, which is the scene in which the woman in the bed charges towards the baby, uh, and I believe everybody in the theater thought that like she was going to grab a knife and stab a baby, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and for it to not even like it's not like then the music goes swells up and then she stands over it and then just like oh no whatever like that's that she was not actually doing that the entire time she was uh doing something else mm-hmm. um but I, I thought that was pretty great well that was also great because of the um i think the different motivations that that character has that the audience really could not have known at that time yeah. where she's just annoyed but we're already that much on the offensive oh, of, yeah. of, or I should say the defensive of what we oh, think I mean, the film's characters. tone is set from I know the, the tone is scene. but I don't think yeah. we haven't we I don't think at that point we had seen even the ritual sacrifice yet so mm, I maybe not but at the same time I feel like after the first scene like I thought this film would have killed a baby. No, I mean, I be if, not that the movie nope. would be out of place on the film. Just okay. I, like for characters we haven't, you know, we don't know yet as mm-hmm. far as whatever. The uh, one thing I'll say that I also did not care for, mm-hmm. or I just just say a minor quibble, is that William Jackson Harper's character. Um, so there's the moment before the ritual, the the day before the ritual sacrifice scene or the ritual suicide scene. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Swedish dude that brought them all mentioned that there's going to be a and he says whatever foreign word, 
and no one yeah. knows what it means. He, but he does. But he does. And he's like, are you serious? We're going to have like a real one? and then Which try makes no sense. Right. Because the next day, he's somehow horrified and taken aback by what he sees. Because I think um, that he was... No, he, I think he, he may have thought it was going to be a different outcome than a but human. He, yeah. like, he, he knew what it was, but he, but he like, did not know to what extent. Would it really be that? I mean, did, could, could it just... And I don't know. Yeah. Could it just mean like a sacrifice? Like I mean, That's why I want to know what that word means. But it, he made it sound like... He knew what it was, and he was, like, super into it he, academically. And I'm not saying that when you see something like that, then you might not have a visceral reaction, but he genuinely acted as if... I, I think... I, I, I mean, I, the people stand on that cliff I, for, I, like, whole minutes before they jump. I, so for him to be like... <gasps> no, I, I think um, it, it wasn't so much that. It's like he is academically interested in this. That's the reason why he went on this trip in the first place. It's like... You read about something for your entire career, but you never think you're actually going to see it. And then when but you he s- was told he was going to see but, it, yeah. But then, but but <laughs> literally, but, but, but the, there, and he there, asked for clarification yeah, for, for clarification. But remember that it wasn't actually like wholly clarified. And then he actually sees it. it, it it's uh-huh. like saying that you're going to see something. But when his colleague asked, "What is it?" And if he knows it's a ritual suicide, yeah. so then he's going to be like, <laughs> you'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, he's I just kind of a... Uh, I, I think he's kind of, that was kind of a dick move on his part. I don't think he could have known it was a suicide, human suicide, yeah. though. Right. If he does, then, I'm, well, then okay. Suicide. It's a suicide. it might be is that it's... You can prep all you want and say that I'm fine with blood and guts and everything and I can watch a human sacrifice before my eyes. But it could have been his response in that moment could be that he's never seen anything like this before. Yeah. And that could just be even though like so I think a good example would be like Aztec sacrifice. Um, You know that clearly these people would literally like be like, yep, I'm all for it. And they'd have, like, their hearts ripped out right on a table, like a, on a stone table in front of, like, tons of crowds and everything like that. Um, and you, you – and I think it kind of touches to what Toussaint was mentioning about as an academic, everything is very ethereal. It's it's very – Theoretical. Yes. Yeah. It's it's up here. It's, it's not – it's – it's not tangible. It's the life of the mind. Yeah. yeah. And so to – Toussaint, you're an academic, right? <laughs> Uh, Tomorrow, I'm going to a ritual suicide. Well, I don't study. That. Would you like oh, to join oh me? Boy. Well, I mean, see, oh the, the, no. here's here's the, you've here, never seen one before. Here's the thing. You've never seen one before. Here's though. the thing that so this, you don't know if you don't like th- it, right? This, this doesn't <laughs> a- actually like map uh, like one to one with that sort of situation because even if I were say an academic, that is actually not my field. So I'm not really like I, I'm. You're not, being a real fucking nerd about this. I'm right sorry. Now. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm being a really fucking nerd about this. I guess it's because I'm a He's fucking. Trying to clarify. Because I'm a fucking scholar. I guess. Um, oh, that's higher than an academic. I know, right? I um, so yeah. Another part of this, though, is we see an, another version of this later in the film, yeah. where we have the two members of this society that have decided that they are going to sacrifice themselves and put themselves into the burning house. And they take the whatever home remedy medicine that will make them not feel it. And as soon as they start getting burning, they want to get the fuck out of there because they're being burnt to death while they're living. Yeah. And I think that was another good 
aspect of that of somebody being like, yes, I am going to kill myself for the greater good. And then yeah. mm-hmm. uh, fire still fucking feels like fire. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. part of that, I think, plays on to something that I mentioned to you, Toussaint, earlier before recording, um, that one of the things I liked about this film and that I think is kind of as blatant or underlying as you want it to be of that sort of tradition and religiousosity versus what, I mean, what, what modernism is and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And that sort of, if you veil, if you veil something or if you kind of like drape a cloth over something, it still has the form, but because you can't see what's underneath, Everyone thinks it's okay. Yeah, fire isn't it's, just fire; it's also this cleansing force that was handed down to right. us by our many, many generations old uh, elders. And it is an honor to be consumed by fire. And fire is so centric right. to everything about us, and we love fire. Until you actually, burn. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like, until but, you but, but it's, it's it. like you, 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 you. Up until that point, fire is just a. Uh, it, it is not only a. a physical phenomenon but it is more of like a, a a theoretical concept that is so central to the ethos of this society but until then you were actually in the fires like you should feel right. honored for the fact of being engulfed in the fires like yes this is great and then it's like whoa this fucking sucks well and i think part of that actually touches on the so of the elderly couple the woman goes first and the way she jumps it makes sure that She's gone, r- yeah. like, right away. Yeah. However... She gets a 7 out of 10. <laughs> the man doesn't even hit the rock. The man doesn't hit the rock. And <laughs> Come on. Instead, That's a 5 at best. <laughs> 4. 4. He doesn't, he doesn't hit the uh, rock and he yeah. lands feet first. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's, Yeah, that was almost worse. <laughs> and I think that was something that kind of is kind of... I guess it parallels that ending of you... There's something weirdly glorious in this community of sac- of self-sacrifice or putting yourself for the community when really there's it's it's shit mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. painful yeah and i think in many ways that kind of also represents what florence's character is going through she's constantly trying to i guess put herself forward and and sort of quell everything that's going on underneath her mm-hmm. That she's trying to do, you know, keep face for the community, if you will, within her. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, when she finally finds that group that screams with her, it's both cathartic because other people are doing it with her, but it's also disturbing because she realizes in that moment that it's a sham in right. some ways. Right. But, it's but does still, that matter? Right. At yeah. that point, it's the question of does it really matter? Right. Yeah. Sort of tangentializing a. Uh, apart from that one thing that I want to know coming back to the humor for this there's one scene that I remember and one joke joke quote joke that I wanted to make note of (laughs) and the more that I think about it the more gross and the more juvenile it is to talk about but I feel like that is sort of the intent a lot of the humor in this film as as highbrow as a concept of, of this horror film might be a lot of it's pretty crass there's some crass humor in this um when it comes to the love spell, oh my god! When it comes to the love spell, the guy is literally eating hair pies. That's insane. To me. I thought that was fucking gross. How about the uh, how about how about the scene when he uh, goes in to talk to the mother? And I can't remember how exactly yes. what the I ending th- dialogue th- of that is. I think she put 
pubic hair. I think I ate one of her pubic yeah, hairs in my pie. that sounds like, about right. Yes, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, casual. Yeah. yeah. Well, casual and also not beating around the bush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. It's so gross. <laughs> Didn't even try. I know. It's you great. don't need to cry. It's like it's that lowbrow. It's that. That's, that's what it it's is. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's fine. Yeah. So who wants to go to final ratings? All right. Let's okay. Go to final ratings. Okay. I will go first. Yeah. I was a fan of Midsummer, and I'm actually happy to say it. I um, and actually feel like I could raise my rating on a on another viewing, which I uh, very surprised by after Hereditary, which I did not care for uh, specifically the, the ending. But this film is actually quite good. This follows through so many different emotions uh, from the very visceral grieving opening to the visceral, totally polar opposite ending. Uh, We see the actual parallels between the two sisters. We have the one who literally killed herself to get away from her pain. And then we have the other one who is killing other people to get away from her pain. I know that there's obviously other things happening there, but at the same time, um, the two polar opposite and parallel directions with the two sisters, I think is pretty interesting and is great throughout the entirety of the film because we have her journey coming from where we start with her until where we get off the train at the ending. Um, And then everything else that is happening with this community and with the people who she comes on this trip with uh, is interesting and at the same time thought-provoking throughout in a good or also bad way. Um, Something that we didn't spend too much time talking about, but the cinematography here is absolutely fantastic. Uh, The actual physical landscapes here felt real and felt authentic and feel like... It's actually something you're seeing through a camera's lens and not just a crappily animated CGI set. Yeah. Um, And in this day and age, all that put together was quite refreshing, uh, especially in a film with this kind of content. So there was a lot happening here that was really good. Um, And even though it wasn't necessarily perfect or anything like that, uh, I was a big fan. And uh, I would definitely recommend this to most people maybe not like my mom and dad but <laughs> yes recommend it to your mom and dad i want to hear what they think uh-uh uh-uh i don't want to i don't want to i remember the one time it's we brought up Inuru to earlier but they went to go see birdman in the theater <sighs> after i said i thought it was fantastic and she's like i don't know what happened to you and i was like oh okay <laughs> i don't know you're <laughs> not my son <laughs> <laughs> remember you used to like like back to the future and caddyshack and now you're like this it's like okay yeah. shit yeah. <laughs> you can blame me if you want <laughs> <laughs> kind of do <laughs> so it's a three and a half out of five for me for midsummer i yeah. thought it was quite good yeah. moving on to sam awesome um i think kind of we've touched on a lot of what i would summarize into this piece um I love the richness of colors and things like that. The um, the cinematic uh, craftsmanship, um, but I also appreciate that it's entirely thought provoking. Um, and I know, even though we've only had so much time, um, there are still so many other things I would love to talk about regarding this film. And I think that's what I appreciate about it is that it still sparks conversation even after you're done viewing it. Um, and I, this is definitely a film that, you know, I was fine watching Hereditary once, 
maybe a second time would be okay. Um, right. But this one, I would not mind watching it again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's something to be said for, you know, even catching other nuances that now that you're aware of them, um, that you can try and catch them earlier on or things like that. Um, and I also really appreciate that there's sort of more, there's more complexity to it than perhaps intended um, or perhaps that's just being projected onto it. Hmm. Um, but at the same time, there's something, I think this is a well-crafted both story and film itself. Um, and it, it makes me excited to see if this is what he can do within like dark comedy horror, um, what he can do with real comedy, what he can do with um, other, you know, other storylines that are maybe not as doom and gloom or um, DC as dark. superhero movie done. Uh, <laughs> um, but that sort of um, artwork to it. Um, and I think as, as much as it's not a breakup film, I think that there are traits of it that are extremely telling and revealing about relationships, um, especially in current times when maybe sometimes um, we need a little reminder as to what is and isn't beneficial within a relationship, mm. um, whether that be with a romantic partner or the community or yourself. Um, and I think that that is what I like is that there's dynamics for each of those um sort of relationships um within this one film um so overall um i would say probably about a three and a half or probably about three and three quarters if i can do that <laughs> okay. yeah. Um, yeah. about three and three quarters i think that might be the first time it's weird oh no we've had some weird ratings before okay. but but yeah. i appreciate the effort awesome yeah. okay as long as it's between zero and five, it's up to you. <laughs> I was going to say, like, if you tried to give it a zero, there would probably be some debate. Wait, was that an oblique, like, Harry Potter reference? No. No, not on purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's nine and three quarters. Oh, okay, yeah. All right. That's okay. Jesus, too sad. Oh, damn, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Blaze. I'm sorry. Blaze. Anyway. Um, He's a black character. On to you. <sighs> anyway, so I really... I, I, <laughs> sorry, I, Nick. I enjoyed... Um, Midsummer for all the reasons that I've talked about before. I feel like I've just said everything that I have to say on this film. I think that it is well crafted. If I had one, I loved how much this film was set during the daytime and almost to the point where I wish it was just like daytime all the time. So it was just had that disorienting effect. Um, I guess the film didn't go with that, but it's like, I think that's fine. And I'm just, I just love how, um, disorienting that effect was and how oftentimes the most horrifying things happen in, in plain sight and how there are all these sort of like intricate rituals. Um, I originally assumed that uh, this is sort of like an offhand comment that uh, Alex said one time when we were talking about this film some previous time and there was the, sort of the suspicion that this was happening every 90 years every year Um I don't think that's that's true. I thought I thought more about that. I think that they're doing the sacrifices every year, probably. They're doing like for whenever people are reaching it, that age. Yeah, but the yeah. but the ninety year thing that's actually a ninety year thing yeah. that happens. Um, but yeah, like just sort of like a peek into like the horrors of of what that that world looks like. The sort of horrors to the outsider, but to them, it's just sort of like their way of life. I mean, although they probably have to have 
this some sort of ritual like this anytime they need mm. new people brought into the flock. Yeah, yeah. probably. Um, and probably has something it, – it, it, this is a, a very – granular very specific situation they probably have like a whole other like series of rituals like i saw i i watched no i read an article um from one of the the set designers on polygon that actually went into what the the mindset that went, went into like painting each of those tapestries and there are some tapestries in uh the film that are featured that refer to scenes that were filmed but were cut out for whatever reason or just were never filmed because they just didn't fit into the actual like scheme of the story. And I thought that was really interesting world building on their part because it's just like you look at some of those, I was like, that looks really fucking morose. Like, I don't want to know what that is. And it's like, there's one of those is probably like, well, the guy just wanders in and is like, oh, can I join? He's like, I want to join. He's like, oh, man. I was like, that's fucked up. I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh, but. I won't ask which one. I'm not gonna. I, I won't ask which one you had to do, but I hope it's not that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, That's what I was going for. Brooke. Yeah, um, I'm gonna give this a. Still got that milky prostate on your brain, don't you? God damn it! Uh, now I can't stop thinking about Milky Chance. That one band is like <laughs> we don't talk about it anyway. Uh, I give this a, a three and a half out of five. Okay. Uh, I very much enjoyed it. Um, I will probably return to it at some point on home release. Very good. Nicholas. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. I thought it was... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I thought it was uh, chilling. I thought it was hilarious. I thought the character dynamics were pretty well realized, even if they weren't particularly deep. But I absolutely loved the journey that Danny goes on. Um from start to finish, and uh, yeah, uh, A24, if you're listening, I would gladly attend a midsummer camp, so just <laughs> let me know uh, if you need a counselor or Summer anything camp. like that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying, I, you know, I, so, yeah, uh, three and a half. It's unanimous. No. No? Oh, three and three quarters, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry, I'm Don't sorry. Don't erase her rating. <sighs> I know down. you're like in a cult and you want everyone to be the same, <laughs> but same. I'm sorry, Sam, that Alex is being a real mid-bummer right now. Yeah, Ooh. I'm sorry that he's been a mid-bummer. Ooh, apologizing for other people. Ooh, Such come a on. Community move. Also, I'm sorry on Toussaint's behalf. What the <laughs> fuck? For everything. Fuck you. That's pretty good. <laughs> And I accept both of the apologies that I extended to you. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate you so much. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So, really positive opinions about Midsummer. Yeah. So, if you out there have any thoughts on this film or Ari Aster's previous work, feel free to send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You could also try to find us. On Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just try to find us. It's really hard. Good. Yeah. You can find hey. old content uh, at Film Tank Show. I tweet. Okay. I do Facebook. I tweet and okay. Facebook. Sure. No, I mean, like, literally, the last, like, dozen episodes. No, no, no you, 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 you've been trying. The rest I of have us, been. The you rest of us, been. Thank not you. Not trying. Been. Yeah. No. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, and then also, we have all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com. Yeah. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts or also Stitcher at Film Tank Show. It doesn't as sound well. as good as iTunes. 
Well, Apple put yeah, that out of business. We gotta drop this at some point. <laughs> Six <laughs> years from now, <laughs> man, I miss <laughs> every the last like three or four episode uh, ending bumpers. Yeah. We I mean, the first time it made sense. Apple. Oh yeah, yeah. and then but at since a certain then, point. They haven't really been iTunes podcasts in forever, even if people were saying that. So yeah, yeah, I'm no. just, yeah, anyway. Yeah. I tried this time. Yeah. No. Tucson brought us down. But that's Tom, okay. shut up, man. Yeah. Sorry, it's okay. Yeah. So next episode, we're going to have another 2019 film, and that is the new Quentin Tarantino project, which is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. What the fuck was that? I wanted to say Once Upon a Time in America, and that's that a different movie. Yeah, you froze, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, different movie. So that's why I... I like, wonder if Tarantino oh boy. named his movie in correlation with a trend that was happening in the 60s in both abroad and American filmmaking with specific regards... To the genre of Western, mm. popularized by people like Sergio Leone and America's favorite Clint Eastwood, Thank father you. of Scott Eastwood. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Nick, for that. I think we will answer that question and more on our episode of Film Tank regarding that film. Oh, uh, so you just kind of ruined it. He did. That's okay. Anyways, that film, which stars Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio and Margot Robbie, uh, is coming out. And we will spend time talking about the ninth film in Tarantino's collection coming up on episode 198. Oh, boy. I know. So, from Sam, who always is a pleasure to have you. So, thank you for joining us again. Thank you for always. having me join you guys. I enjoy being here and chatting with you. I oh. enjoy having you. <laughs> Back at Thanks. you. Oh. We enjoy having you. Thanks. Back at you. <laughs> so, from Sam, Toussaint, Nick, and myself... Thank you very much again for joining us here on Film Tank, and we'll catch up with you again next time.